Welcome to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach, with your host, Vanessa. On this podcast, we talk about who your coach is when the name tag comes off. What makes this coach tick? How did they get started? And what kept them going? What coach inspired them? Do they have any passions outside of coaching? And most importantly, what do they want their legacy to be? Tune in to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach. Welcome to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach, Why Coaches Are Humans Too. On this podcast, we interview coaches across the nation to find out who they truly are and what makes them tick. Today, we have on Tony from Lifetime Omaha, the one and only. Welcome to the show, Tony. What's going on today? Uh, How are you? What's going on? Nothing. Just uh, having a great day and uh, ready to have a good conversation with you. All right. Well, tell us something about yourself, Tony. Well, uh, born and raised in Omaha, Nebraska, like you said, the one and only. Um, I am one of three sons within our family. Grew up in a very competitive, you know, two older brothers. Played every sport imaginable besides soccer. We don't do that here. Um, But, yeah, just kind of the good old Midwestern boy-type life. Uh, Went to school, worked hard, played a lot of sports, and, you know, tried to stay out of trouble. I want to hear more. So tell us something unique about yourself, Tony. Um, super neat. Unique. I'm super clever, obviously. <laughs> okay. Um, again, I uh, lived in Colorado for four years. So I left Omaha for a little bit, kind of explored the world. Um, yeah, I mean, I like I like being outside. I like exploring. I like spending time with my family and friends. Uh, now, obviously, I like being in the gym. But as far as unique goes, you know, I'm just I'm the most clever guy you're gonna meet. Okay, I feel like your family probably knows some dirt on you. So tell me something embarrassing only your family knows about. Uh, well, something that we keep in the family don't really get out. But we, <laughs> when I grew up, we had a uh, a back porch is about eight to ten feet off the ground, so it's a pretty high deck. And my brothers, who are ten and eight years older than me, used to give me really bad wedgies. Okay. And hang me. <laughs> out over the edge and then my mom would yell at them not because they were putting me in absolute danger because sometimes they'd rip my underwear (laughs) they would stick me out of the edge so oh my uh, gosh yeah so like i was the little the little brother and (laughs) i got my bumps and bruises but ultimately it kind of made me who i am today so okay i feel like it's only fair if i also share something embarrassing about me so I am also a younger sister. My sister is eight years older than me. Um, I have to preface this with the fact that I have asthma, okay? And I'm also, I also stopped growing in fourth grade. So I'm like five foot one on a good day. And um, she would always like sit on me and tell me to name all of our uncles. (laughs) And I was young enough to like not really know them by their names, I guess. Um, and one time she rolled me up into a full-on carpet and then sat on me. And then she was like, say our uncles. And I was naming all of them. And I ran out after two. And she was like, say there's more. There's more names. And I was like, I don't know their names. 
So similar situation for me, right? Like I have their older brothers, but obviously they take it to the next level. So yeah. Always, you know, spit or bodily bodily fluids involved. Oh, so they will hold me down. They can do the same thing, and then they like hold the spit out of their mouth no. and like try to get as close as possible, and then like try oh, to suck it back up. But that's so yeah, gross. That's traumatizing, yeah. So gross. So I get that. I get that. I feel that. All right, let's a little bit more lighthearted. What's your, what's a favorite song you're listening to right now? Um, I always keep going back to Sicko Mode by Travis Scott for some reason. Oh, um, I love that song. If I'm ever like not really amped up to lift or something, that yeah. definitely goes on. But all-time favorite is In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins, only for the fact that every football highlight video that we ever had in high school it always started with that ah. so it'd be like that calm cool everything would be in black and white and then as soon as the drums would hit that's when he hit the big first big hit on film oh wow and that always always fired me up so that is a special place in my heart oh i love that yeah so let's get into about why you're here tony what makes you passionate about this career um so i think like most other coaches and people that are in our, in our industry is that I think you just want to help other people. Yeah. Um, we have a passion for, you know, fitness and nutrition and stuff like that, but sharing it with other people and bettering their journey is always going to be fulfilling for you as a career, right? Right. We're not just in it for, you know, commissions or money or, like, cars and stuff. Like, to actually help someone who has trouble in a certain area and make them healthier um, it is just a huge, huge thing in today's society, especially now with everything that's going on. Like being right. able to help somebody else better their nutrition or better their fitness or better their overall health just goes such a long way. And, you know, it's, if we're good at something, right, we never do it for free, but if we're good at something and we can help other people at the same time, yeah. there's just nothing, no better feeling going home at the end of the day. Yeah. Than, than knowing that you're affecting somebody else's life in a positive manner. Yeah. So, um, I've had a couple of careers in my lifetime already, but both have been helping others. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that with everything that's been going on, you don't even have to mention it. We all know what we're talking about. <laughs> I think that it's really disheartening to be in situations that we cannot control And I think that something that we can control is moving our bodies. And I think, you know, moving our bodies with purpose and just a little bit of help, even even spending like one hour, um, which one of my favorite hours of my job is an onboarding session, because that's when I genuinely get to connect with somebody and figure out like what makes them tick, uh, really bring down their walls and make make sure that I understand what was the deep, what, what is the deeper meaning behind their goals? Like, don't tell me, like, you want to lose 10 pounds. Tell me why you want to lose 10 pounds. Like, what would that mean and what, what would that do for you? Um, so, you know, if you weren't doing this career, though, you know, what, what do you feel like you would be doing as a profession? So in my past life, quote, unquote, I was a uh, paramedic firefighter. So if I hadn't made the jump into fitness, um, I would definitely still be doing that, um, just for the fact, again, of helping 
somebody like, especially in firefighting or paramedicine, it's they're probably one of their darkest hours. Right. It's being able to like kind of sacrifice yourself a little bit for a person who definitely is in need, no matter what the situation was. Um, I thought that's where my whole life would be is being, you know, a firefighter and being a paramedic. And because I could help people on a daily basis, but obviously things happen for a reason. And I kind of found that fitness uh, area and fell in love with it right away. And the passion was just so much that I couldn't deny it anymore. I just went 100% in. So What made you switch, though? What was that switching point for you? So uh, my mom growing up has always suffered a little bit of depression. Uh, so when all three of us boys moved away, we all was in Colorado in the Denver metro area, um, she tried to make the move out there with us. And for some reason, uh, she just had a trouble getting in her job. She had a full-time career here. Um, but because she was so experienced, you know, hospital work, giving her the opportunity because they thought maybe she wanted too much money or what have you. It just didn't necessarily work out. Um, So she ended up moving back to Omaha. Um, I came home just on like a visit and just things weren't weren't right. There was something different about her. Uh, Her attitude and tone, even though she does suffer from depression, is probably one of the more positive people that I know in my life. So... When I went back home, I sat down with my brothers and we all kind of decided that one of us needed to uh, to go back. So when I decided to go back, I was working at like a, a, a gym in uh, Colorado part-time, so I just transferred there. I let uh, the firefighting, I let that job go, came back, worked part-time in a gym here to kind of help her out and get her back on her feet. And then that just kind of sparked it when I had to be in, in it all the time. Um, and be around clients and you know other athletes all the time it just all of a sudden this passion just grew and my mom did better so i was able to get in the gym more and then you know it's i've been stuck or it's been stuck with me ever since um i i can't quit it if you will um i just love helping people i love being in the gym i love the sound of weights in the morning it's yeah it's an addiction if you want to call it that but I, i have a passion for fitness or passion for helping people in that area for changing lives i i love that yeah you know i i actually resonate with that story um very closely my mom um is now a retired neonatal nurse practitioner so you know she's a very intelligent woman but whenever she went through her divorce very similarly you know she kind of lost her way after being in a marriage for 20 years Um, You attach yourself so closely and your identity um, and just like your day-to-day living. And so she was going through kind of a depressive mode as well. And um, I was actually in the beginning of my college career, I was an education major. And I couldn't really figure out how to help my mom get out of her, her rut and... I was like, well, I'm, I'm an athlete. I played soccer all my life, so maybe I could just kind of move her around a bit and we could go into the gym. Because, you know, I kind of lost my way, too, not having a soccer team to play on anymore. Um, right. So we went down to the gym. I started kind of working her out, doing what I could figure out. I didn't really know anything at the moment. 
and it really changed her life and changed mine. I went back to the university that next semester and changed my major because I was like, you know, I've helped my mom literally change her life. Like, all of a sudden, after 20 years, having a small impact of a couple months for the summer of being back home, I helped her get out of that place that you feel like you just can't really move. You can't make good decisions. Like, even though you know better, you just can't really make proper decisions for yourself. Um, And for everything that my mom did for me, I was like, I just have to be able to figure out how to give back something. And so that was a very little exchange for me. I was like, it's just my, it's my time and it's, you know, my effort. But, you know, um, I fell, I fell in love with it too and went right back and changed it. And it's just been, now it's like, what's it, let's see, like 12, 13 years (laughs) has gone behind me. It's flown by. Yes, for everybody that's listening right now, if there's any moral of this podcast at all, it's take care of your moms. Yeah. Take care of your parents. Yep. They don't know they're changing your life, but they are whether they make you or not. So yeah. take care of your moms. They're awesome. Oh, I love that. I love that message because, <laughs> you know, the, a big message of this podcast is to humanize us coaches. But I also think that if we were to stop for a minute and really connect here, you have to humanize your parents, you know. Like, I idolized my parents, and I thought that they could do no wrong, and I thought that, you know, they knew how to do everything right. And just looking at that moment of life really hitting my mom, I was like, damn, she really has no idea, like, what to do. What can I do? And so, um, but, yeah, it was just a really beautiful moment. Um, And speaking of beautiful moments, what is one of your favorite client success stories? Oh, man, I've been in the game for, you know, 10-plus years. There's a lot of them. Um, one in particular is kind of happening right now because it's close to my hunters. I have, we have this couple at Lifetime, obviously. They're going through the Alpha program, which I coach, um, and they wanted to get into weightlifting. And I'm also very passionate about weightlifting. I coach weightlifting uh, as far as, like, Olympic weightlifting, so snatching and clean and jerk. So the very first day that I met this couple, they're in the alpha studio. They're with an alpha coach. You're trying to learn how to do a clean. And it was, to say the least, a little rough to watch, right? <laughs> um, and, like, they're beginners. You know, they you know, didn't really do anything a whole lot athletic, you know, last 10, 15 years of life. So they're just coming in. They're doing the right things. They're getting after it. Um, and then kind of taking them on with another coach and just weekly with them and, you know, teaching them the basics of the Olympic lifts and continuing on their alpha journey to, you know, a year and a half later, like literally last night, the husband just booked us flights to go down to Savannah, Georgia for Masters Nationals. Oh, my gosh. So he went from, yeah, he went from not even knowing how to pick the bar up or set up to a barbell to qualifying for this national meet. Um, and we're traveling, you know, you know, fingers crossed doesn't get canceled, but we're going to be traveling for him to compete in weightlifting. That's huge. So that things like that are really what keep me like going and like even talking about it now, I got a little bit of goosebumps. So like, I can't wait to write his programming for the next couple of weeks. Um, so things like that, like just seeing him go from kind of like barely making eye contact in the gym to now being like the most confident, kind of overbearing, funny, 
guy in the alpha room. It's, it's a cool transformation yeah. for him. But, like, those are my favorite. Like, we all have, you know, our people that, like, you know, lose, you know, a lot of weight or put on a lot of muscle and look good in the mirror. But for more often than not, I'm more proud of people's confidence and ability to know themselves grow yeah. through a time period than anything else. So that's my one that's on my mind right now. Yeah, I I was talking about this on another episode um, of this podcast as well um, that will come out eventually. But I'm very biased towards women, obviously, being yeah. able to see them empower themselves through weightlifting because there's so much that changes in their body language about... I never knew, I never thought that was possible. Um, I always doubted myself, et cetera. But seeing postural changes um, and just seeing the, the confidence in which they own their voice and their movement, I can definitely, um, I agree with that. I, lo- I love seeing that. I'm, I'm a little bit more biased towards the athletic goals, though. I think that it's just yeah, it's sure. so impressive. Not to say that obviously like some massive weight losses and what weight loss can do for people isn't great, but I just, coming from my athletic background, I think the the human body is such an amazing machine and being able to program it and then see it actually produce something is it blows my mind every time it's like oh yeah i know what i'm doing <laughs> like, yeah it, well it's funny because like i have a i played baseball growing up you know pretty competitively most of my life and like not really understanding why you're doing certain things and then when you get older and you start doing that stuff for other people you really kind of realize that know they know what they're talking about one but you're also kind of experimenting and kind of seeing the limits of your athletes or your clients and no matter what you think the direction it might go like it's always a positive direction and I think that's super cool about things that we do here is that no matter what we try with an athlete you know it might not get them a PR right away but there's going to be some kind of takeaway in a positive form so, yeah, I totally understand the whole athlete mindset, you know, and trying to, you know, that kind of thing, I guess, yeah. Well, if we, you know, if we look at it in a simplicity sake, even if you spend two minutes or two years with, you know, our members, um, I know that we have touched their lives. I know we have changed their lives. So tell me something, maybe a more personal story about who has changed your life, coach or otherwise. Yeah, so like I said, being on a baseball, around baseball growing up, I, and then, you know, with my weightlifting career, there's just been certain time periods that you have this person that you look up to and they affect a lot of things and your passions and stuff. So, like, there's probably four or five along the way, um, but two in particular. So, growing up, my brothers, they were eight, 10 years older than me, even though they hung me over the deck by my underwear. <laughs> obviously, yeah idolized them they were both very competitive in baseball and whatever they did so they me trying to emulate them growing up was huge um when i got to the fire academy (laughs) i'm gonna send this to her when we're done but uh her name was shannon she was a lieutenant a little firecracker of a woman she's like (laughs) five two um like the last like looking at her like the last person you think would be in the firehouse and you know, throwing ladders and pulling hoses and all that stuff. But yeah. during academy, she would make us get up at 6 a.m. every morning, and we would spend an hour and a half doing physical training. 
and she would ruin us. A bunch of, you know, <laughs> alpha males, if you will, who think they are pretty strong, pretty fit guys, and she would run circles around us. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I didn't really know what it was, but it was functional fitness, right? What we do in alpha, right. that kind of stuff. And it was kind of my first, like, taste of it. And from then on is when I decided, like, when I have my off days of firefighting, I'm going to train people like this, and I want to train like her. Yeah. So I don't think I ever really realized it while I was with her, but looking back on it now, she was definitely somebody who like kind of lit that fire of like you think you're fit but you're not type things, and that no how you look at somebody or how they appear, if you get them in a weight room or in a gym or something. You know, they could just run circles around you. Yeah. She was probably the first one that really, like, really affected me in that aspect, mm-hmm. where she kind of made me, it opened the door to the kind of the fitness stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the second really important one, uh, his name's Glenn Penley, which he passed away about a year ago. Mm. Um, he was a, my first weightlifting coach, weightlifting specific coach. Um, and so basically started a, like an online program. He's one of the more well-known weightlifting coaches in the United States. Uh, but kind of got on with him. And he had a lot of podcasts that I used to listen to all the time, like before I actually met him. And then luckily through a good friend of mine, he was coaching at my friend's sister's gym in Kansas. So I would go down there, you know, a couple – weekends a month and just train with him and just spend a week with him and just pick his brain and do all those things and you know, he had just had a stroke when I got to him but just the knowledge that this guy had yeah. on how the human body works and how different you know types of training affect the human body and types of athletes mm-hmm. so it's not only the training with him but just like sitting next to him and just hearing him talk about human body and how it moves Mm -hmm. I've used so much of that in my coaching yeah and he has affected me he affects me more every day than I ever thought yeah but he just instilled that grain of like what it is to be you know a good coach or you know a good friend to somebody who needs help yeah um so. I think that that's I, – I love that point that you're touching on. Um, and we – you know, I was talking to Aaron Montaigne from Plano on on another episode about this um, coming from the empath side or someone that is very intuitive. And I think that um, when you're on a on a ath- athletic team at a very young age – you get if you had a great coach they really instilled that discipline and that importance of listening to people and that connectivity and that communication and being very aware of your body um and then on the coach's side um and athlete side being able to notice why the body does what it does and being able to predict like certain movements or plays um, is so intriguing and something that is so applicable as well in our profession uh, and being able to pinpoint certain like uh, imbalances or um, just slight changes um, that also connect with out, outside stuff, right? So 
I mean, that's one of the couple of questions that I usually ask our athletes is, you know, okay, where's your stress at? Where's your water at, your sleep at, and then your food. And then I'm going to be able to predict probably how this session's going to go. Um, but I love, I love being able to always, um, you know, continuously being a, a student of life and a student of our practice. I'll never know enough, you know. And I, I love being able to sit around those veteran coaches because, like you said, there's like they're just so magnanimous. Like they're just kind of like a magnet. You just kind of want to sit next to them, and that you can almost like feel their their all-knowing power <laughs> and you just kind of want to yeah. soak up all of their stories and their studies and like their knowledge. I, I it's just, it's just like a feeling, I think, you know, with that being said, I got to call out like the current guy right now. His name's in, I'm sure he'll be on here. He's all over the SGT, SGT page right now. It's, it's Bill Ash, okay. the kettlebell warrior, if you will. So Ooh, I, have, okay. I have the lucky enough, spot that I get to work with him every day mm-hmm. and we spend a lot of time together and that guy you know he pushes me every day to get be a better coach yeah. and trainer um he will pick stuff out on me or what I'm doing or not doing in a class or with a with a client or just like tweaking or asking me things just to kind of open up my brain a little bit more yeah. on how I can be better um so yeah that's like past and present as far as like people who I look up to and I really want to listen to when they talk so well I think that every coach needs a coach I think you can only get yourself so far which is why I also love the beginning of this podcast because I hope it inspires for people to reach out to you you know hopefully more of the Texas coaches reach out to Omaha reach out to Colorado reach out to whoever else that we have on this podcast so that we can continue to expand our knowledge because we shouldn't just be limited to our location, our city, or our state. I feel like we should be able to recognize that this lifetime SGT community is just that. It's a community of and wealth, wealth of knowledge, you know? Um, yeah, it, it takes everybody. Yeah. With, with everything that's going on right now, however you want to look at it, like it's going to take all of us to get through this next part. It's going to take all of us to make each other better, yeah. to be a better SGT community. I agree. And I think that, you know, another incredibly important part is the support system outside of training. So what do you do outside of the gym that kind of gives you life beyond training? I literally chase my five-year-old around <laughs> constantly. What's he his is, name? His name is Tristan. Oh. Tristan James Schuster. So he's a... Uh, He's a cool little dude. He's a little <laughs> mini me, and I could be happier and a little bit more afraid about it. Um, but uh, him and then my lady, those two keep me grounded. And you know, we have an awesome unit at home that you know, it just it, it fuels me. Like there's never a time where I'm like, I uh, sad I have to go home or sad I have to go to work. The beauty of my life is that no matter where I'm headed in my truck, whether it's work or home. I couldn't be more excited to get there. And that has a lot to do with those two keeping me very, very grounded and taking me for who I am. And and I'm a very smart-alecky guy, and they (laughs) tend to still laugh at all my jokes, which makes me feel great. So um, (laughs) without, without them, like, yeah, I'm just not that funny, so. Oh, the dad jokes. Do you give, like, really good dad jokes? I don't. Are you actually no, my funny? Dad, my, <laughs> I'm actually funny. I'm, I'm okay. I'm not. I'm not technically funny. I'm not never the funniest in the room, but I'm usually the quickest. Okay. So, 
so like give me an example my brother is brad marty hysterical guys so funny but if we're ever in a room together they can never really get their really funny joke in because i've already said something <laughs> okay. you know, a half second before them and i think that just goes to them being so much older than me when i was little in order for people to hear me i had to say it quicker <laughs> okay. i'm never usually the funniest but i'm i'm 100 percent guaranteed the quickest guy in the room and if they, if anybody uh, wants to uh, challenge me on that, I'll take it. Oh, that's funny. I don't know why I had yeah. such a, I had such a visual that whenever, when I was younger, see, I actually was more like quick as in like, that's how I learned how to run so fast because <laughs> I was trying to <laughs> run away from my sister. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. Um, our, ha- our house is too small. I was going to get cornered anyway. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, now, if you're talking maybe like outside of your family, are you the type of person to like your circle big or small, and why? So, I li- it's it's going to be kind of a weird answer, but both. Okay. I like the fact that we're in a gym. I love knowing a lot of people and having interactions with a lot of people all the time. But I also don't like. I do like giving myself my full self to a small group of people. Okay. So meaning I'm not going to you know for me, like at the gym, like I love hanging out with everybody, but when I'm at home and I have my own particular time, it's spent with people that I really, really want to be with. Um, so like immediate family or like really close friends. So I have a large circle when it comes to friends but i have a small circle when it comes to super close friends if that makes any sense yeah it does yeah. like i think to be your true self to somebody like especially with sierra who is my lady is she her and my son get all of me and there's only a few people that deserve all of me all the time it's those two first yeah and then it trickles down from there yeah um and I believe that it goes the same way with her and him. So um, that's just kind of how I see it. I like having a very small circle of close friends, mm-hmm. but having a large circle of overall friends, I guess you could say. I, yeah, I, I can appreciate that. I think that, you know, the way that I also, you know, connect with that is I want to have a big impact. So I may be associated or be able to be in touch with um, a large community because I want to make sure that I'm changing as many people's lives as possible but if it's if it's anything about me personally um and being able to truly like care about what they say and how I impact their lives like on a much deeper and um you know a deeper level it would be yeah like family first and then maybe like two or three people (laughs) I keep my circle very small. I think it, like you said, you know, it just keeps you rooted. It keeps you grounded. And I genuinely care about only like a handful of people think. <laughs> and then I know that, you know, my values will speak for themselves and you, you know, you, you like me or you don't. And that's cool. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we're at that age where if you're not being yourself, I mean, you're not truly going to feel, feel that, that happiness, that full potential happiness. Right. And the older you get, the more you realize that no one really cares. No, like, they as don't. Long as, as long as you're a good person, you're not trying to ruin someone's day or anything like that, no one cares. It's just, like you said, have those care about those few people's opinions and everybody else. 
Like, just be a good person and everything's going to take care of it. Yeah, don't wait until you're 60 to just be goofy and crazy and act out and do whatever yeah. the heck you want to do. Just be you. <laughs> Everybody else is for taken. Sure, for sure. <laughs> so if somebody were to meet you, like, right off the bat, let's say even, like, on the gym floor or even outside of Lifetime, what do you think is one false assumption people would have about you? I would say, like, if, especially, like, when you're at Lifetime and you're wearing the name tag and you're wearing the uniform, is that people automatically assume that you have your entire fitness and nutrition and everything is just together, right? Like, obviously, we speak it and we know what's right and how, you know, we train our clients to do so. But a lot of the times, we're going through the same stuff, right? Like, I will be the first to admit that quarantine kind of mess with my nutrition a little bit. Yeah. And I'm working to get back to where I was. Um, so, like, even us, you know, coaches and trainers, we don't have everything put together. For a lot of us, we are in this business because we went through a journey ourselves, you know, and that's why we know, that's why we're passionate about, you know, teaching others. So thinking that we already have everything figured out, we all have six packs and we all, you know, bench press 350, just like, meeting us is completely false that we go through everything too and we're probably going there if we're talking about something specifically mm -hmm. we're probably going through it or have gone through it as well right and just to take it and run with it you know i think that you know we are all in this profession because we're actually good educators first and i think that we have this really special gift of connecting with people's stories kind of like you said it takes the proper articulation of experience to really allow people to drop their walls and understand, oh, they're actually speaking from experience or they've at least, right. you know, um, coached or educated someone that has been through what I've been through. So I am safe because it's a huge um, it's a huge experience of safety um, you know, that we're, we're invited to um, with somebody's fitness journey, they have to be able to trust us. If they don't trust us, if there's no foundation of trust and safety, they're probably not going to actually let us know what's really going on with them. Um, and part of that is actually empathizing or sympathizing with them about their journey so that, you know, and again, that's a, that's a huge number one reason why I want to have this podcast because I want our members, I want us to be able to share this with our members and be like, yeah, I gained weight during quarantine too. Yep, I, I threw out my back as well because I'm an idiot. And sometimes you don't <laughs> always do things properly. And, but, you know, but now, you know, you find the silver linings as a coach and be able to speak to now experience through those trials and, you know, you look at those obstacles as opportunities of, of education. And I think that that's just the positive spin that we have to take as educators. But, yeah, appreciating every lesson is... Well, I think most clients you have or most people you meet within the gym, they want somebody that they can, you know, trust. So if you're open and honest with them, like, hey, you know, I messed up. I had, <laughs> two, you know, a couple too many beers and a pizza the other night. Yeah. But it's okay because I'm here today and I'm working to get better today and tomorrow. Right. If they can have that understanding, like stuff happens and it's happening to this guy too, who I trust and, you know, I'm listening to, then like it can happen to me and I can still overcome it and do those things. So yeah, just being honest with your, your people and your having them understand you is a huge, huge deal in the communication between you and your clients. 
And I think that, you know, since we are only with them, you know, for an hour a day at most, um, you know, we want to also be able to create opportunities for them to feel externally supported. And I really enjoy suggesting like books or podcasts, sometimes even music, kind of just finding the way that they will best be entertained. What's one quote that's kind of stuck with you and you hold close to your values and morals that you maybe have shared or means a lot to you? Uh, so I have two. One's a little bit more like poetic, and the other one's kind of in your face and a little blunt. Um, <laughs> the first one is "Dream Big, Dream Often." The funny thing about that quote is that I saw it in an East Bay calendar or an East Bay like catalog when I was like 16 years old. There's no reason to be in in the. East, I don't know if you know what East Bay is. It's I like, don't. It's like so. It's like an athletic catalog. So they have like. All the different shoes for basketball. It's oh, just okay. you could order. So it's like before the internet, right? Before you could buy anything online. <laughs> so it was something that sent your house once a month. So you'd see all the cool new Jordans and you know what the new Nike jerseys look like, all that stuff. But it was in just like a sports catalog. It was on the cover, and for some reason that just it sat with me. And just like you just sit there and kind of think about it, like if I can dream big and I can do that a lot, like. I'm always going to be striving for something. I'm never going to settle. Okay, one of my biggest fears is being settling for my life, and I never want that for me, my son, or anybody. Is that you're always reaching for that next thing? Okay, always trying to grab, you know, the carrot on the stick. And if you grab it, you got to go find another one. Um, you just got to keep bettering yourself day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, decade. We you know on and so forth. So that one really uh, sent home to me, and like. If you dream big and aren't you don't hit your game, you're going to hit some cool milestones along the way. There's no reason of cutting yourself short if you mentally can't think about something you want. Um, it's just a weird word kind of started, but that one means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one is kind of my motto when I use this my weightlifters. It's kind of blunt and funny, but it's got a little bit of meaning to it. It's, you know, try harder, suck less. You know, for more, most people, it's just kind of something <laughs> to break the tension. Mm-hmm. So, like, if somebody's having a rough day in the alpha room and, you know, the clean and jerk or the snatch is just super difficult to them, mm-hmm. I'll just I'll just kind of, like, softly go up and talk to them, like, hey, <laughs> have, you ever, uh, have you ever tried harder? Uh, and then, like, like, they start, like, really getting focused, like you're going to give them this, drop this knowledge bomb on them and just go, just suck less. Have you tried that? Yeah. <laughs> that I love that. that. For you? And then it just kind of, like... I mean, it's kind of blunt, and it's obviously I don't mean it, but yeah. like it just kind of like takes the tension away. Yeah. And like, hey, I'm putting way too much on this. Let's just have some fun. Um, but yeah, that's always just kind of been my some way to break the ice if somebody's having a bad day. Yeah. Sometimes it works really well, and some other times it kind of backfires on me. But yeah. <laughs> it's from a it's from a good place. No, I have a like um, one some couple of my favorite ones too is um, nobody nobody cares work harder so that's a little bit that's a little bit blunt too but um I kind of have a similar one too that I just like go up to my my athletes and I'm like I'm gonna need you just to do less do less (laughs) (laughs) do less (laughs) you're trying way too hard right now (laughs) like just breathe for me and do less um now if you had to give one piece of advice to your younger self what would it be so this kind of plays in what we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, and just being like Tony, be yourself. 
when I was early on in my firefighting career, early on in my um, fitness career, I was trying to be somebody that I thought, you know, the client needed to see. So, like, when I first started, like, the biggest loser and Jillian Michaels was, like, the greatest trainer of all time. Yeah. Yelled, and that's just not me. I tried to do that. It was obviously disingenuous, and our clients saw right through me, and that wasn't me. As soon as I started being myself and being open and honest and cracking jokes and kind of being funny and it doesn't have to be so serious all the time because I'm not a serious person yeah. if you haven't figured that out yet it's yeah. just be yourself people will identify with you and have more trust in you if you're always yourself to them if they don't like it then like obviously they'll move on but if they move on you can honestly say that you kind of gave it your all and you were you were real with them you were yourself and that usually goes a lot farther than trying to pretend like you're going to be this great trainer and fake your way through it. Yeah. You know, I used to pretend like I knew all the answers. I would just make up weird stuff that didn't make any sense. Yeah. And now I have the knowledge of like, you know what? I don't know what that is yet. Let me go find out and we will attack the next session or I'll, you know, whatever. So if you're yourself, people are going to trust you more and they're going to understand you a lot better and understand that you care and want to help them so yeah just be yourself yeah. for everyone yeah i that's so interesting because when i was so i forget how how young are you again uh i'll be 33 next week yeah i am i'm 33 <laughs> i have to remind myself not a girl uh i'm 33 as well so especially when i was started being a female and then seeing her as like kind of one of the ultimate initial like female trainers getting out there I thought I had to be Jillian Michaels, too. I thought I had to be blunt. I thought I had to be militant. I thought I had to be, like, just kind of straightforward, walled up, had it all together, had the six-pack, and I worked myself, you know, into the ground, and I tried to, again, like, just kind of compose myself very strict and kind of, like, almost untouchable. No, I know everything. Like, yes, I have all the answers, kind of the exact same way that you're depicting it. And... I noticed that whenever I started actually observing some coaches that were a little bit more like human, <laughs> a little right. bit more like down to earth, actually shared their trials and tribulations. Um, and, and again, like you said, just like being like, yeah, I don't really know the answer, but I feel like, you know, fill in the blank trainer actually would know that answer. Like actually being able to say, no, I don't know that, but I'll find someone that does just earned you so much more respect. And Again, I mean, we've hit on almost every, like, major point. I want to humanize us. I want us to be able to be okay, especially if you're a beginner trainer and you're listening to this. Like, please take it from trainers that have been in the business, like, 10-plus years. Not None of us have all of the answers. And it's totally fine to be able to share your personal experiences because it just makes you all that more easy to connect with. And, no, not every person and client is for you. You'll be able to find, you know, your your squad or your tribe. And um, it's okay to always, you know, feed your team as well, you know. Um, yep. Were you about to say something? Yeah, I mean, yeah sorry. I was going to say, like, it's kind of cliche, but, you know, trainers are people too, right? We have our yeah. faults and, you know, we don't know everything. Not everybody knows everything. Even the smartest people in the world need help every now and then the best trainers that are in our gym was David Freeman or Bill Ash. I mean, they're they're asking other people. They're listening to podcasts. They're, yeah. they're doing all that stuff, too. So 
that's kind of what we talked about earlier. You're never done learning. Um, so, again, you're not trying to be anybody. Just be yourself. Be the best version that you can be and work as hard as you can to be that coach or that trainer for whoever needs it, right? So. Yeah, and I. but, you know, it's funny that you even mentioned David because, shout out, David, I think one of, you know, the first time I actually got to meet him uh, when we were doing our coaches certification um, one, he has like this very magnetic energy about him. He has this wonderful storytelling voice, but he's also very humble and powerful at the same time. And I think that it's his humanizing characteristics that make you attracted to listening to what he has to say. Um, and with all of his experience, he still isn't act. You know, he's an alpha, but he's like a. I don't, I don't even know how to explain it, but he just doesn't act like, he doesn't act in his ego. He acts in his no, human, you know? So Very similar when I met him. Like, obviously, you get into starting alpha, you start seeing, and like, he's on everything, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, like, <laughs> yes, yes. Man, look at, like, the David Freeman, right? So you see him, <laughs> and then he's on, like, all the videos that play, like, 100 times a day. Or oh, a day. right. Um, he's on all the emails. He's got, like, this very masculine voice and you meet him in person and he's just like I kind of like a like an older cousin or older brother that like kind of like kind of pulls you to the side when like the parents are you know talking like hey this is how it really is like, he's the cool cousin he's the cool, <laughs> he's the cool yeah, uncle you know, like, yeah he's a cool older cousin that kind of lets you know what's actually happening and like he's always there <laughs> to support you like he's gonna yeah he's a good dude and I, I appreciate him a lot so what what is one moment in your life that you feel like, you know, you also could put your ego to the side and you, you know, you really needed some help? Did you ask for help and why? I, th- I think when we're young, and we kind of touched on this earlier, like you see your parents as like these super hardworking, nothing's ever wrong, they're just like making everything possible for you. So you think when you're like, 20 to 30 like that they didn't struggle as well so you think you don't need to ask for help or anything like that so early on when i was young like living in colorado and i was struggling i wouldn't i would shut down i wouldn't talk to anybody would ask anybody for help like hey if my parents can do it if my brothers can do it like i'm just gonna put my nose down work harder and like hopefully we'll figure it out as you get older and your parents start to open up a little bit, you realize when, you know, you were two or three years old that they were asking grandma and grandpa for help or, you know, whoever. Early on, I would say I would never, never ask for help. Again, it was kind of an ego thing, even as a trainer. If I didn't know something, again, I would kind of like find my way around and answer instead of like, you know what? I don't know. Let me go talk to somebody who does or do the research. Early on, I would not ask for help. Yeah. I was... If my parents can do it, if, you know, somebody sees me asking for help in the gym, then they're going to think I'm less of a trainer. Right. So I wouldn't ask for help. Now? Oh, man. Probably I'm annoying when I ask Bill, ask for whoever, <laughs> a thousand questions, or I call my mom or dad and she's like, hey, when I was five, was I this much of a little jerk type thing? So <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. Now I'm just an open book. Like, hey, if somebody can help me and they're willing to, I'm going to ask, yeah. you know what I mean? So obviously there's some big things like, you know, if it's money or something, you got to pay it back. But like, yeah, I'm going to ask, you know, if it's going to make my life or my son's life or a client's life a little bit better, you know, to help me get through that, then yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to ask. So this is just a huge difference. I think you learn 
as maturing as a person, as maturing as a trainer or a coach or whatever, that it's okay to ask for help. Everybody does. So. so through all of your life experience and learning from all the coaches and people that you have, if you were to tell maybe your son or someone that you really care about, like three truths that you really know to be true, what would they be? I think we've kind of touched on them. Like, again, the big one is to be yourself. Um, there's only one you in this world. And I mean, I've said it to my son. There's only one of you. Like, we are gifted to have you here. Like, I want all of you all the time. Like, be you 100% of the time. Two is, like, integrity is always the biggest driver in trust, right? If you're doing something and you're or asked to do something and you're I'm not around to do it, are you going to do it or are you going to say that you did? I think integrity is huge when it comes to just maturing. Uh, it's huge for trust and communication. Um, and the last one is just, like, be lighthearted. Find the light in everything. Times are tough. Um, working out is tough. Nutrition is so hard. But find that reason why it's going to be a little bit more fun. Find that challenge that's going to make you smile when you finish it like do the work have fun doing it and be yourself it's like the three things that i kind of live by yeah um that i try to instill into my son um and like sierra she instilled a lot of that in me my eyes have changed when it comes to like some of that stuff where now i can fully like invest in all that kind of thing but yeah those are probably the three things that, like, I probably preach the most and yeah. will preach the most, especially when he gets older and actually understands what's coming out of my mouth. The only thing he really knows right now is, like, no, yes, fruit snacks. And, like, <laughs> are the Broncos playing on TV? That's uh, basically all he knows right now. So as he gets older, like, those would be probably the three things I instill in him. I'm with him on the fruit snacks. I, I love me right. from fruit oh, snacks. So good. Um. I like, I like the shark ones. They oh, don't yeah. like anything, but <laughs> the, shark ones. the shark ones are good. <laughs> so if we were to kind of look at your life's journey and, you know, a very, very long time from now, um, whenever you leave this earth, what do you want your legacy to be? Like in conjunction with those three truths, but, you know, really, you know, People remember how you made them feel. They don't always remember what you said. Um, so what what would you want your legacy to be? What would you want to be remembered for? Probably number one and most important, and I can't stress this enough, that I'm better looking and funnier than both my brothers. <laughs> okay. That's probably the most important goal of my entire life. Yeah. But one, it's genetics. I am better looking than both of them. That's just tough. <laughs> man. They grade really early. It, it was, it's rough. Um, but what was the question? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, would, I would want people just to, like, know that I, you know, I cared and that I tried to make everything as enjoyable as possible. Um, like, obviously, quotes and things you tell them don't really matter. As long as they feel that, like, in the hearts of hearts that I was there for them and you know I helped them you know do whatever they needed to that I was I was there for them I cared and I hopefully made them laugh along the way I love that and then hopefully I guess it's probably the most important part my son grows up to be 
a better human than I am. I guess that's that's probably the more important one. Um, <laughs> son, and then hopefully future kids are they grow up to be better and you know more compassionate, more good looking, and funnier than I am. <laughs> They'll win the genetic lottery too. Yeah, exactly. Got you. Tony, I want to thank you so much for being here. I know that, you know, time is of the essence. It's the most valuable thing that we have. So actually taking an hour out of your day to be with me and to be on this podcast, I cannot thank you enough. I cannot be more grateful. I hope that at some point, some, sometime, some way, we'll be able to connect actually in person. And when it, when, when it happens, I'm sure it's going to be amazing. So um, yeah. do you have anything yeah, else that you want to share with people? Yeah, I just want to just want to say thank you. It's been a, a very fun process. Actually, been like been a couple like a month in, in, in the works, and it's been fun. I've been looking forward to this day uh, for a while. I'm glad to get my word out. But the biggest thing I can tell, and we didn't figure out during the podcast, is that like I'm very passionate about the sport of weightlifting. Um, so if there's any coaches out there who are thinking about they want to get their USA level one, or they want to compete in you know, weightlifting or want to start a weightlifting club after a lifetime. We have one here in Omaha. I'm very proud of those athletes. I'm very proud of what we're doing here. So if you enjoy weightlifting, the snatch and the clean and jerk and that everything that goes with it, you know, come get your level USAW level one. Contact me. I will help anybody and anyone who wants to start coaching weightlifting to athletes or wants to start a club within lifetime. I'll let them know how, you know, we did it here. And I just want to spread uh, the sport of weightlifting in the United States. We're one of the strongest countries in the world. Um, we do it drug-free, and I want to continue to spread that message and how like beautiful and beneficial weightlifting is, not only to your aesthetics and strength and stuff, but just as overall human beings. It's uh, been a huge part of my life, and I love talking about weightlifting to others. So anytime anybody wants to reach out, I'm more than happy to uh, sit and chat with them. I love that, Tony. Hey, how can we connect with you? What is your preferred social? Uh, T Schuster Eleven. That's on Instagram. Uh, T S C H U S T E R Eleven. Perfect. I will uh, include that yeah. in the details in our episode um, details, so that y'all can find him and follow him. Now that you've listened to him for an hour and fallen completely in love. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Behind the Name Tag More Than a Coach, where coaches are humans too. I appreciate every human and their journey. I hope to continue to connect and shed light on how uniquely beautiful we all are. Our differences are what make us unique, but it's our humanity that brings us together. Stay healthy, my friends. This is your host, Vanessa, signing out. Thank you so much again for listening to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to hit that subscribe button. We are broadcasting on anywhere you can find other podcasts like Apple, Spotify, and of course, Anchor, where we're recording this podcast now. If you really loved it, which I'm sure you did, we would appreciate a five-star review and a share with all of your friends. Until next time, this is your host, Vanessa, signing out. Stay healthy, my friends.